Welcome to the Mortar and Pestle, a PCCA podcast where we discuss all things compounding and all things concerning independent pharmacy. Now, here are your hosts, Mike Delisio, North American Sales Director, and Sebastian Dennison, Clinical Compounding Pharmacist. Welcome, Compounding World, and welcome to the latest episode of the Mortar and Pestle, a PCCA podcast. This is Mike Delisio, and I'm joined with Aaron Michael today. Hi, Aaron. Hey, how are you, Mike? Great to be here. Uh, great to have you as a co-pilot today. Sebastian, unfortunately, was not able to make it, and we figured no better person than a certified pharmacy technician. And is it safe to say the most the most common guest on the podcast as well? <laughs> well, I, I think uh, I'm, I might be uh, running neck and neck with Nat Jones, but uh, you know, I think this might push me over the edge, so that's good. We always make that joke, but um, it, it's great to have you today in this capacity, given the opportunity that we have, and we are so fortunate to sit down with the CEO of the National Pharmacy Technician Association, Mr. Mike Johnston. Mike, welcome to the podcast. Hey guys, thanks for having me. It's, it's an absolute pleasure, and thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to sit down with us. Uh, a while back, Aaron and I recorded a podcast talking about how we were trying to reach out to pharmacy technicians, making a very conscious effort on behalf of PCCA uh, through different initiatives, podcasts being only one of them. However, uh, it was a great opportunity for us to sit down with an amazing technician that we have here on PCCA staff, and that was Stacey Lemus. Through that conversation, uh, we may have alluded to the fact that there was there was a lot more to come and, and you being part of that. So, you know, like I said, a definite honor to have you take time out of your schedule before we, we dive into your world and your journey. If you can kind of help out our audience and give a better explanation of who is the national pharmacy technician association, also known as NPTA. And, and what does that really mean to the world of compounding pharmacy? Certainly. So, the National Pharmacy Technician Association is just what it sounds like. It's a professional membership organization that was designed for pharmacy technicians. That's my personal background. We, we focus on providing high-level education, advocacy, and support to pharmacy technicians, as well as individuals that are aspiring to become technicians. And our members work literally across all practice settings. So we have members that are in retail, hospital, specialty, uh, but we also have a lot of members that come from the independent space uh, and particularly in compounding, uh, sterile and non-sterile. So with that being said, um, I, I guess what kind of pops out to me, and, and fortunately you've given me a, a very thorough journey in terms of what you've gone through um, to how you've achieved this role as being obviously chief executive officer of the association. Uh, but let's give our audience a bit better understanding of kind of where you've come from as well um, as a certified pharmacy technician and, and, and what was your alignment with PCCA like in terms of the full evolution to the programs that we have available today and which we'll probably talk a bit more about it. Yeah, so my relationship with PCCA goes back um, quite some time. So my journey in pharmacy actually began in the mid-90s, and I started work as a, as a pharmacy technician in uh, retail pharmacy. 
And at that time, there wasn't national certification. Uh, there weren't really any recognized training programs. Uh, there, there really wasn't anything. It was, it was all just on-the-job training. And uh, that's, that's how I entered pharmacy. And I was very fortunate that the pharmacy manager that I went to work with really took the time to kind of put me under her wings and, and train me um, in all the various aspects of, of pharmacy. So I was very fortunate with that. Uh, several years later, the PTCB certification came out. Texas was one of the first states to mandate it. And so I opted to just kind of get it out of the way. Uh, more is just not having anxiety hanging over me than, than anything else. Uh, and shortly after that, I ended up transitioning to an independent pharmacy. So I actually was a practicing certified technician at a independent compounding pharmacy that were proud PCCA members. Uh, so I got to experience a PCCA and get to know the organization that way as a, as a practicing technician. And then several years later in 1999 is when I went off and started the National Pharmacy Technician Association. And over the years, I've uh, worked with PCCA in a, in a number of different capacities. Um, it's kind of exciting. We're both based here out of Houston. So we're kind of the, the hometown pharmacy uh, groups here in Houston representing. So that's always been great. Um, and then it wasn't that many years ago, my relationship with PCCA evolved again, because uh, I ended up opening my own independent compounding pharmacy, which was always a dream that I had uh, in North Houston. And so I did that. And of course, I opted to be a, a PCCA member there as, as well. So uh, my relationship has, has been kind of 360. And I'm really really delighted about that. Uh, not only the alignment with PCCA, but it sounds as if too, there was always this, this bond or the, the common foundation of, of customized medications through compounding. So, you know, how important was it for you, especially along your journey to seek out additional education and to, to look for support as well? How important was that in your development and to finally get to a point where you opened your own store and, and acquired membership? Yeah, I, I would say that non-sterile compounding is probably my real passion area when it comes to pharmacy. Um, I just, I fell in love with it. I fell in love with the idea and practice of being able to help patients uh, when they literally had no other options. Their, their backs were against the wall. Traditional medicine was, was not working for them or failing them. Um, and it just, compounding gives those patients hope again. And it's exciting to be part of that team of working with the pharmacist and the prescriber, the patient, uh, and getting to, to put that together and then see their, their health journey um, up close and personal. So it's just something that's always been, been that passion for me. Um, I've ended up uh, having a textbook published on non-sterile compounding. Uh, developed a lot of training programs, uh, actually ended up being a, a delegate on USP. Uh, so I kind of span the, the spectrum of being involved with compounding when there weren't that many regulations for us whatsoever to now having a, a, a voice and a vote on uh, setting those standards. So it's been an interesting journey. 
Yeah, Mike, you know, I, to say the least, you you and I share such um, a common background and a, a common history. Um, so I love listening to your story, and I'm going to tell a story because you know you you just talked about the passion and the making a difference and the the being able to help patients when they have no other options. And we all have that that one story that um, we will never forget. You know that patient that we helped. And I'm going to tell mine because I know this is probably throwing you a little bit of a curveball here, but you probably have that story. So I'll give you a couple minutes to think about it while I'm telling my story. But, you know, one of those situations, and I, I tell this all the time, and I always try and tell it while I'm holding back tears, but autism was one of, you know, those, those areas where they had no other option. You know, these kids can't just go get something off the shelf. They're allergic to everything. They're highly sensitive, they're gluten intolerant, casein, I mean, all of these types of things. And so just getting something off of the, the shelf, whether it's over the counter or commercially available, you know, prescription product is not an option for our autism um, patients. So that was one of the things that we really focused on in the pharmacy and, and my passion within compounding. And so I used to go to conferences and, you know, at that point in the 90s, and we won't say how you know, how old we are, but everybody can do the calculations here. But back in the 90s, when I would go to conferences, there weren't very many people or very many options for our autistic population. And so I became one of those pharmacies in my small town in Northern California, um, that I was servicing many patients across the country. Um, you know, we were licensed in the states that we needed to be licensed in so we could ship. And um, I, I was, we were helping this one child in Idaho, and I will never forget it. He was um, 11 years old, completely nonverbal since he was about two years old. And um, we worked with him for probably about three or four years. And I remember being in um, the sterile room, the clean room, and having one of my other technicians pounding on the door, pounding on the door. And I'm looking over and they're like, come out here, come out here. And, you know, I, I she was motioning to me to come out of the clean room and, and you know, I'm like, oh my gosh, what's happening? And so I came out of the clean room and she said, you know, that, that mom was on the phone and mom wanted to talk to me. And, um, oh, I'm just thinking about it kind of anyways, um, I will try and finish the story, but I went over and got on the phone and she was bawling hysterically, like could not talk, couldn't catch her breath. And I just remember trying to calm her down. And, you know, I'm thinking to myself, we had just shipped her prescription and I'm like, did something happen? You know, what's, what's going on. And, and she just said that, he told me that he loved me, you know, mm -hmm. and for the first time in nine years, and I have goosebumps right now, just thinking about that. She had her son verbally say that he loved her. And those were the kind of things that we were able to do, you know, and families that we were able to help through compounded medication when nothing else is an option. Like you said, they've exhausted all their other means and they don't know where else to go. And so, you know, being able to, to make a difference in a patient's life is, is amazing. Um, and so, like I said, we all have those stories and we all, you know, can relate back to that one time where it was like, this is why I'm doing why I'm doing or what I'm doing, you know? And so um, anyways, I just, I, I had to share that because I, I, I couldn't agree with you more that compounding fits just such a niche and, and helps so many patients that, um, people need to, they need to know what the opportunities are that are out there, you know, with compounding. Yeah, that is a, that's an incredible story because it, 
it just really illustrates that we're not dispensing medication. You're, di you're dispensing hope. You're dispensing, you know, literal changes in these families' lives. I, I, I can't say that I have a story that um, is that powerful per se, but I do remember very, very, very early on. So this is in the mid to early nineties. We did a lot of compounded hormone replacement therapy and we had a patient uh, come in that uh, was transgender, uh, male to female. And, you know, I, I really hadn't had any exposure with individuals like that uh, up to that point. Uh, but it was very eye-opening to see, even with the hormone replacement therapy, how that simple act can genuinely allow someone to live their authentic life um, and to put them on a different tra trajectory. And so that was just a, a really powerful moment for me early on. The one beauty that we have especially recording these podcasts. And we were discussing this behind the scenes a few days ago, what our favorite episodes were. And it always relates to somebody outside of PCCA. So when we have a chance to sit down to talk to a PCCA member or someone within the industry like yourself, Mike, you hear the, the passion and the, how, the involvement of what the pharmacy meant to the triad. Because we, we often talk about what the triad approach is and obviously the physician, the patient, and the pharmacist. However, the role within the pharmacy staff and how critical and how important it is and how much you get to also share the, you can say the, the overall betterment of, of what some of what you guys are trying to bring, especially in a community setting, because there could be a very direct relationship with a patient and, and nobody can see it or say it best better than someone in an independent community setting. So I guess my next question is, or, or just natural progression would be knowing that a pharmacy technician's role has changed so much over the last 25 years, you know, what has stood out to you, especially in that independent community setting that most falls closely to our membership, you know, what has stood out to you in that evolution uh, and the role of the technician to Aaron's story as well, knowing that there was a direct involvement with the patient's mom in that case? So for me, it's, it's really about the evolution of pharmacy. I, it's, it's hard for me to, to separate that and look at the role of the technician versus the pharmacist because I feel like they're completely intertwined with this evolution over the past 20, 30, 40 years. Because with, without the evolution of both of them happening simultaneously, neither one gets to evolve. And so what I've seen, especially on the community side, is that as the, the standards and roles and opportunities for the technicians have increased and evolved, so have the opportunities for the pharmacist who have this massive wealth of knowledge and insight and, and clinical expertise that doesn't exist anywhere else in the triad. And they're able to step into those roles and really become a clinical partner in managing the patient's uh, disease state and progress and 
really have that time for the one-on-one -on -one interaction with the patients. Because I, I've seen it all, right? I, I, I know the pharmacist is supposed to talk to every patient uh, for every new script, and we know the reality of what, what happens with that based on work schedules. But I've also seen the community pharmacies that are set up and operating in a manner in which that relationship with the patient and the pharmacist is there. Um, and that clinical aspect is, is being utilized and the impact that it makes on those patients. So to me, it's, to me, it's all together. And it's, it's really, really exciting to see when you take, take a moment to look back on the, on the progress. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, I, I see more and more pharmacists in all settings, you know, the, the chain store, the community pharmacist, um, really being able to practice their clinical skills. Now, obviously, in the community setting, uh, they can practice it a little bit more, um, because there's, you know, a little bit more flex flexibility and um, different rules, I guess, you know, uh, not being under the corporate umbrella. Um, but I think that, like you said, without the two evolving together, neither one would be where they are today. Um, the elevated education that technicians have gotten, the certifications, the advanced certifications that technicians have, have received, as well as the advanced, um, you know, trainings and certifications that pharmacists have received. You know, I can speak to California and, you know, we have a complete designation for an advanced uh, practice pharmacist. And those are pharmacists that, and more and more states are getting this way. You know, these are pharmacists that have collaborative practice agreements with practitioners. They're able to, you know, uh, dispense certain antibiotics or smoking cessation products or birth control, you know, those types of things. And so I only see that growing more and more in the future, which means that technicians are going to have to step up to the plate, you know, and are going to have to continue to increase their education. And you will always hear from me, this isn't like a, okay, I just went and got my certification. I'm good to go. You know, <laughs> like you right. have to continually um, keep up with your education and always be looking for ways to set yourself apart as well, you know, because this is how as new opportunities and niche markets come into pharmacy, there's going to be different designations and different types of technicians as well. You know, um, we're already seeing tech check tech programs in the hospital settings. And it's only a matter of time before, you know, those types of things get into community and chain store settings too. And so, you know, what does that technician need to be thinking about uh, for the future to make sure that, that they can continue to evolve and grow as, as the industry and profession grows too, because this is just the beginning. And it's exciting to watch it, you know, for, for two people like us that, again, we're not going to put numbers on it, but we've been around for a couple of years, you know, and to be able to see the responsibility um, change and the, um, the fulfillment just in your professional growth is pretty cool to watch too. I, I guess this is an observation and, and something that I want to kind of come back to. Um, and Aaron can also attest to this is that, you know, as we've evolved, you know, especially if you want to talk about the last 25 years or the last 40 years as an organization on our end, um, the relationship that we have with technicians has changed tremendously as well. Whereas the pharmacy technicians in an independent setting 
wear so many different hats. It's not what people assume to be the case in retail. If from an independent setting, we've seen experts in sales and marketing, roles and responsibilities with, with discussing compounding opportunities with physicians and patients. You, you think about an operational role where they also wear a different hat and you know head up the, the workflow management, standard operating procedures relating to compounding pharmacy. And obviously, you sounds like you know a lot more about that than I do, Mike. So I won't come across as an expert, especially your role within USP. But that to me was probably the biggest evolution from a, a technician space and a role and responsibility within a pharmacy and how we have changed as an organization to accommodate a lot of those changes as well. So, you know, thinking forward, you know, Aaron talked about niche markets and, and different things that could be looked at in a different manner. Do you foresee any major adaptation to the association knowing all this in the next five, 10 years, realizing that compounding pharmacy technicians cover so many different roles within a pharmacy as well? Absolutely. Um, just as Aaron was saying, education and training is foundational to all of this progress uh, and evolution. And so I think if you take a look at it, right in the last two to three years as an organization, we have been developing and rolling out more advanced niche education and training programs and certificate programs uh, for pharmacy technicians than we probably did in the 18 years prior to that. And I see that pace continuing, if not excelling. I mean, we, we typically right now are looking at anywhere between five and 10 specialty concentrated courses being developed and rolled out as an organization for technicians right now each year. Um, and I think we're going to continue to see that. Uh, and compounding is certainly a, a ripe area for, for that specialized training. So I guess on that note, Mike, um, when we started recording and we had the opportunity to talk more about the association and then also your journey, and you alluded to you know new projects with PCCA, uh, what does that look like for you in 2021? I felt like this relationship was was renewed in some ways. Um, I know Aaron and I had a chance to chat with you last year. It probably didn't feel that long ago, but it was in the heart of 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 the action of of 2020. I hate to call it the pandemic, and we go back to what it was, but the reality was there was so much that was shifting at the pharmacy end, and and you and I and Aaron had a, a good conversation with Renee who's our director of education, but maybe you can shed some light on some of the, the programs that we launched that had an affiliation alongside with PCCA. Yeah. So the most, the most recent collaboration uh, was this past year with our immunization administration training program. So our organization had already been developing some training programs along those lines last year. And of course, as the, the pandemic un, unrolled and then the government's response and the, the HHS came out with new guidelines nationwide saying that a qualified pharmacy technician would be authorized to administer the COVID-19 vaccinations, 
that obviously uh, changed our our timeline very quickly. And so everything kind of went into overdrive, but we were able to roll out a nationwide uh, extensive training program uh, in a, in a very short period of time. And what we were really interested in doing is finding other stakeholders and organizations that we could partner with that made sense on how can we make this as accessible and affordable as possible, as quickly as possible. And so of course, PCCA was, you know, one of the top organizations that we wanted to have that conversation with. Uh, our focus really was on the independent community pharmacies because we felt like that was, that was the place that had the greatest opportunity to really make a difference uh, once the vaccines were made available and, and we need to start administering hundreds of millions of vaccines. Uh, and so we kind of focused in on, on that area and a partnership with PCCA was the perfect way uh, to do that. And I feel like it uh, was a very successful uh, relationship uh, that we rolled out. And so I, I'm excited about uh, other programs that we may be looking to roll out in the near future. Yeah, and, and just shameless plug for that, um, that program, I, I took it. Um, not only was it fabulous for the, the need that we have today, but I don't want people to limit the mindset that uh, immunization and certification for technicians, you know, is only for COVID vaccine. While that is what we are allowed to do right now, um, I only see the future for us. And again, the responsibilities increasing in the future. And so this is an opportunity again, to further your education as a technician, to, to make yourself more valuable to your employer. Um, I, I foresee, you know, more and more responsibilities and allowances to be able to be a part of um, potentially, you know, shingles vaccines, immunization vaccines, um, pneumonia, all, all of these travel vaccines. You know, I, I feel like we have now proved once again that we are a vital part of that healthcare team and that we can continue to uh, be a part of it. So um, while the vaccines may be slowing down for COVID, um, there's definitely other opportunities with immunizations too. So definitely if you are thinking about or wanna look at a program, it is, uh, the content is fabulous. It's very user-friendly, whether you uh, get, do your final certification, you know, through one of your pharmacists that's certified to give immunizations, or if you utilize one of NPTA's instructors and, and uh, do your final certification virtually, it's a really cool program. So I, I highly encourage you to look into some of the extra certification programs that NPTA offers. Yeah, because the reality is that's, that's not going anywhere. Uh, I mean, there's certainly going to be a regulatory and advocacy process to get those regulations made permanent and on the books um, in the State Pharmacy Practice Acts. But it's gonna be very challenging for government agencies and state boards to say, okay, well, these individuals were trained and qualified and adequate to administer uh, these 100 million doses, uh, but now they're no longer qualified. You're also gonna see that shift of, of vaccines continue to increase in the retail community pharmacy aspect. I think the other piece that's coming and we're, we're starting to see it now is the point of care testing. And I think both of those are areas that especially an independent community pharmacy uh, 
has an opportunity to serve their community in, in unique ways, uh, in ways that a lot of, you know, honestly, retail chains and, and those types of organizations can't uh, in accessing patients all across the country in small areas, large areas, wherever it may be. But I, I think you're going to see a, a lot of traction on the point of care testing at community pharmacies, uh, both from the pharmacist and the technicians. I don't want to underestimate the role in all this, but it's like, to, as an observer, if I take myself outside of the pharmacy world and just listen to this conversation, th this had a massive implication on immunizations overall over the last, what, six months is my assumption. Is there a way to, to estimate and give our audience a better understanding of the sheer numbers of technicians that were involved in this type of program? I do not have that data with me right now, so I don't, I don't want to misspeak, but I can tell you with certainty that a significant percentage, if not a majority, right. of the immunizations that have been administered over the last six months in the U.S. have come from newly qualified and trained pharmacy technicians. The numbers simply did not add up. There's no way that we physically could hit these numbers if we hadn't gone there. And, and I, that's I can share, so powerful. Yeah, and I can share, it's not just even from the community setting, it's from the government setting as well. Um, Mike, I'm sure FEMA reached out to you as well. They reached out to me. I'm currently just waiting my location to be deployed. You know, and, and they're asking for technicians to go anywhere across the country for two weeks at a time to basically just give vaccines eight hours a day, two weeks at a time, you know, and, and because that's what they need. And they realize that they're that we have, you know, that that service that we can contribute to getting on the other side of this pandemic. So huge opportunity. But unbelievable impact, like. I, and, and Mike, I apologize. I didn't mean to put you on the spot with an overall number, but I think whatever you just mentioned spoke volumes percentage wise, you know, knowing that it was a staggering amount, it's that just talks about the success in the country specifically in how the vaccine was rolled out and, and how the plan was essentially properly followed to make it a success. And I, I think I, I can't, I don't know if I can say this properly, but there's, without your role, I don't know if that would have been possible. And I think that's just a, a massive success. And I think you guys should be extremely proud of what you achieved. It, it was a lot and it was a lot of stress. We were daily on calls with DC, with CDC and HHS and Operation Warp Speed and all these folks. Um, I don't know that, I, I think we're probably still too close into this to really know the, the full impact but I think as we start to move away from it, I think in time, obviously COVID and the pandemic has impacted every aspect of the world permanently. But I think we will look back at this period of time as a monumental shift in regards to the role of pharmacy, specifically community pharmacies and the overall healthcare system in the United States. I, I think it will end up having a tremendous shift on this industry.
So I guess, like I said, not to underestimate all this because it's it's so big and so impactful. And if someone were to ask you a year and a half ago, if you were going to be involved in that capacity, you probably would have thought everyone was crazy. And you, you never necessarily knows what, what's next to come. Um, but in terms of this year, if you maybe shed some light for those that are pharmacy technicians that, that do tune into a mortar and pestle and, and are looking for more information relating to the world of pharmacy technicians, you know, what do you guys have going on this year where hopefully our audience can also tap into additional education to your point and just additional information, uh, to have a closer partnership with you as an association. So we would certainly uh, welcome and invite everyone. If you want to get more information uh, and stay up to date from NPTA, we offer a free electronic newsletter uh, that's constantly got up-to-date information. Probably the most valuable opportunity that will be coming up later this year in the fall, we'll be hosting our second annual virtual conference, which is CPHT Live. Uh, And that's uh, an opportunity for for technicians to gather from all across the U.S. and actually engage with one another online and offline. Uh, we put together at least 20 hours of CE programs. It's going to be all the latest uh, happenings going on in pharmacy, um, all of the major players and organizations. Uh, so that's that's probably the greatest opportunity for the for the most impact. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, being someone that was a speaker at um, the live event last year, um, definitely an opportunity to network and and collaborate with other technicians in the industry too. Um, You know, I still to this day am receiving communications either via LinkedIn or directly reaching out to me just for people that want to know more about how they can get into, you know, compounding specifically, but even just having a conversation, I've met so many amazing technicians, um, you know, outside of, of my compounding bubble world that um, I'm just, again, always amazed by what we do as a profession and how we contribute to taking care of patients and to the healthcare team. So it's, I'm honored to be a pharmacy technician. I, I will always say that. Um, I cringe when I hear people say, oh, I'm just a technician. Um, there's no such thing as just a technician. You know, um, you, you only limit yourself by, by what you want to limit yourself to. So um, definitely lots of opportunities there. And we should all be very, very proud of how we contribute to taking care of patients every day. But I highly encourage um, for those technicians out there listening and wanting to um, be a part of an association that's that's completely dedicated and and trust me I I belong to every national and every state association most of them um, you know are, are pharmacy based or pharmacist based I should say um, that doesn't mean that they don't have a place for me the technician but it is kind of cool to have an organization that is solely dedicated to the pharmacy technician as well and and to surround yourself with other highly motivated pharmacy technicians and be able to collaborate with them. I think we all cringe at the statement of just a technician. We know that, and we've said this before, Aaron, it's the unsung heroes, you know, the, the backbone of, of pharmacy, but not necessarily just pharmacy. When we think about compounding labs, um, the role that they play in the preparation of medication and, and physically um, just grinding it out. And I think Stacy commented on that, you know, just 
talking about volume of preparations and, and what the role truly is in making sure that from a workflow perspective, everything is prepared on a daily basis, that, you know, medication is being prepared under the best circumstances and, and obviously uh, released to the patient in, in a timely manner and, and how critical the role is of the technician. And from that point of view and the relationship with PCCA is huge and thinking of how, large NPTA is and, and realizing the importance of delivering educational materials and supporting technicians on their own independent journey is, is just really cool. And, and learning more about not necessarily from your perspective, but also hearing from Mike is, is kind of what blew me away just in this short conversation that we've had today. It's, it's, it's such an interesting dynamic and my assumption, and once again, like I'll put that observer hat on, is I always just assume that every single technician had an involvement with NPTA. Uh, it was just an overall assumption that I would make of the marketplace and, and learning more about how NPTA can be that, that trusted advisor and trusted partner is, is truly an amazing thing. You know, Mike, we th- thinking about next steps in future programs, and we alluded to other things that we would hopefully like to be engaged with from a collaborative point of view. Is there anything else that you would like to leave our audience with, with kind of some next steps or, or maybe enticing them with some, some key information that is not necessarily known to the public at this point? I, I don't know that there's uh, anything unknown to disclose, but it what I really would love to do is encourage the listeners, especially those of you that are pharmacists and or pharmacy owners of an independent community pharmacy. I want to encourage you to really take advantage of the opportunity to integrate and advance and utilize your pharmacy technicians. The bottom line is this, as with any industry, any profession, as things evolve, there's gonna be winners and losers. And what I can tell you for sure, the winners are gonna be the ones that embrace the evolution, they prepare for it, they equip their staff, they make sure that they're trained and educated, prepared. I was very fortunate that, you know, even at, at the very beginning of my career journey, I worked with pharmacists and pharmacy owners that truly looked at their full staff in that approach. And they made sure that I was involved uh, in the various conversations and that I was learning and understanding what was going on. And that continued to intrigue me to want to continue to learn more and to grow more and to develop. So that's what I want to encourage everyone to do is whatever facet that may be, whether it's in immunizations, whether it's in non-sterile compounding, maybe it's going to be in sales and marketing. Uh, maybe it is going to be in, in practice management. The best potential talent you've got is right there. So make sure that you don't miss out on that talent pool. I couldn't have said it any better myself. And, and that is, um, you know, I, I will, I will thank my, my old pharmacist, my old boss until the day I die for giving me the tools and giving me the inspiration and really, you know, taking a chance on me to be able to allow me to be who I am today. So I owe a lot of who I am to 
to a couple different pharmacists that, that inspired me, but yeah, making sure that, that you invest in your, um, your staff and, and making sure that they are living out their best possible life too, you know, to be able to do what, what they want to do. So absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. What an awesome message because I think we see it um, and knowing the relationships that we have with our members, when we see an individual that, that is successful from a, a pharmacy point of view, um, normally that core foundation is the team itself. It's not just the, the PIC. It's not necessarily just the owner. It's, it's everybody involved in that intertwined relationship that you mentioned between pharmacy and technician and other additional pharmacy staff as well. But we've had other episodes talking about retention. We've had other episodes on this podcast discussing employee development and how important it is. And I know Aaron is an advocate of being a lifelong learner and nothing aligns any more than what Mike just shared. And, and it, but it's also a message to those that have the responsibility of developing their fellow colleagues and their fellow staff members and elevating them into a different place. And like I said, I think we've, we've seen so many great examples of that. So I think I, that that's what resonated with me, but coming from you, Mike, obviously such a powerful message. And, and I, I hope both our pharmacist listeners, as well as our technician listeners got a lot from that. Um, and obviously from just you being on the podcast, talking more about what NPTA is and, and what role you serve in the market is just an unbelievable thing. And definitely, I think we're humbled to have you uh, spend the last 45 minutes to sit down with us and chat about, about what you guys do and what's next. Cause it's, it means so much to the pharmacy space and uh, couldn't be more fortunate enough to have you on the podcast. Well, it, it has genuinely been my pleasure. Uh, and I want to call out and congratulate PCCA for being one of those organizations that is uh, preparing for the future and wants to make sure that, that their members are going to be the winners by taking the time to talk about technicians and these opportunities and not overlooking that because you know your members look up to, to the organization uh, as a leader in this field. And so you guys are setting that tone and that example. Uh, so I just really appreciate that uh, from, from my perspective. And it's, it's, it's really been my pleasure to be with you today. Well, we also appreciate the collaboration alongside with MPTA. And, and thank you, Aaron. I know you've been a member for a very long time of MPTA. So uh, it, it did provide a different perspective also from, from hearing from a fellow technician as well. Absolutely. Always, always fun to be on the podcast and always great to, to work with Mike too. I'm looking forward to um, our future endeavors that we can come up and really advance technicians too. So my only ask, Mike, is that I hope we do have an opportunity to have you back on and talk about all the amazing things that NPTA is doing, because you're more than welcome to jump on at any time. Anytime. It's my pleasure. Awesome. Well, thanks again for taking the time out of your day to be with us. And once again, thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in. I hope you guys... Uh, feel empowered as much as I do listening to this amazing conversation. And for those of you that don't follow us along on social media, just a reminder to follow us along on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And as always, if you do not follow the podcast, hit that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. Until next time, this is Mike Delisio, and thanks again for listening. Mm -hmm.